welcome to the OCR Underground Show. Each week, you get the latest research, training secrets of top coaches, and everything you need to crush your next obstacle course race and finish burpee-free. Here's your host, SGX coach, Mike Diebler. All right, well, welcome to the OCR Underground, episode number 51. I am Mike Diebler, and as always, thank you for joining me. If you want to check out the show notes for this episode, just visit www.ocrunderground.com slash episode dash 51. And as always, my goal is simple. I want to give you some great tips and strategies to help you train a little bit smarter for your next OCR, and this episode will be no different. Um, Well, it's been a little while since the last episode, and I'm doing my best to get these out as fast as we we can get them, Uh, but my travel schedule has just been insane. I've been to uh, uh, Phoenix, Portland, Chicago, um, heading up to to Mississippi, and then the rest of this month going to uh, San Francisco, back to Chicago, and then to Utah. So between racing and presenting... Uh, it's pretty pretty crazy out there, but I uh, love doing this, and I, I love putting out the podcast. I've been getting some great feedback, so I want to make sure I, I'm as consistent as possible to get some great info out to you guys. Um, so as I, I mentioned, I just recently got back from Chicago, where I did uh, participate in the uh, Spartan Chicago Sprint out there. My wife and I went out with the kids. She ran the Super, uh, did an awesome job, finished top 10 in her age group, and I ran the Sprint the next day. Uh, we had the kids, which was a delicate balance. Um, for those of you who were, who were there or watched the feed, that was just a mud fest. That, that may have been the muddiest race I've ever done. Uh, I've done some muddy ones out there, but that was pretty insane. And actually on Saturday, I found the biggest obstacle while she was running the Super. I had both of our kids trying to maneuver around the festival area. And I'm not sure, but I think the festival area might have been more muddy than the actual course was. It was it was pretty insane trying to, to get around, especially carrying a, a two-year-old most of the day and then trying to help my six-year-old just not lose his sneakers in the mud. Pretty insane, which led to incredibly sore arms after carrying her all day on Saturday for the race on Sunday. But uh, but it was a fun race. It was a, a flat course, which I was hoping for. I was not hoping for all the mud, uh, but that added, obviously, uh, an obstacle on itself, just trying to get through that between uh, the, the still really wet spots on Sunday going through the course. It did dry up a little bit uh, because it was sunny uh, all day Saturday and Sunday, so that did help. But sometimes it made that mud a little bit stiff in some places where you really had to watch your footing so you didn't roll an ankle or anything like that. And uh, it was it was a challenge. You know, being on the West Coast, we don't get a ton of, of muddy courses like that. So it's always fun to travel and see different things because you're just you're going to deal with things you're not typically used to. And I know uh, probably within one to two minutes of the race, I ended up almost losing my shoe, jumping over a wall, landing in the mud and running again, and my heel popped right out. It was a new pair of shoes that I've never raced in these before, so I'm definitely learning. I might have to tie those a little bit tighter, but they just sunk in, ripped off. Luckily, I was able to to pop it back in when I hopped over the next wall and uh, didn't have to stop to, uh, to untie my shoes or anything like that, so definitely wasn't expecting that. Um, some of the things that I took away from this course. So obviously you never know what you're going to run into and mud and water obviously adds uh, tons of more challenges to your racing. So 
one thing I know I, I for sure was not prepared with was uh, running in a softer surface. And I've been doing most of my running on the trails, on the road, even on the treadmill when I've had to. And it's obviously it's different. So being prepared for something that just isn't going to rebound as quick, like like a harder dirt or or even pavement. So um, you know, for me, it's hard to get access to to mud, something like that. But what we have plenty of is beaches. So getting more beach runs in there, I think, would be a great addition to to my personal training program. So just think about that when when you're going into a race, knowing you know, obviously, you don't know what you're going to expect. So you're going to do the best you can to prepare for all different situations. On a similar note, when you're going into a race like this, that's super muddy and unpredictable. Obviously, a lot of the obstacles are going to be a little bit more challenging, especially some of those hanging obstacles. So uh, for me, I know going through the the twister was probably one of the the harder obstacles. Um, And it was just simply because it was it was wet and harder to hold on. Uh, But really what what almost to my surprise, but once I got there, I understood why where I saw most people uh, doing burpees was actually for the Olympus. And it was just a mud bath even to get to the Olympus. And once you were there, there was no drying off. You were you were mud. Your feet were a block of, of just thick, thick mud, almost like, like just wet clay. And it was nearly impossible to get your feet to grip to that wall. And I spent a good 20 to 30 seconds trying to get the mud off, but so did all the other hundreds of thousands and thousands of people before me do the same thing. So the whole bottom of the Olympus was just completely a, a mudslide. So as soon as I went, I pretty much knew immediately my feet just slid out from under me. There was no way I was going to be able to keep my feet up on this wall uh, and get through it. So I knew my only chance was either I had to go through my knees or on my chest. So I dropped to my knees and was able to make it through. A lot of people didn't figure that out quick enough and were in the burpee zone doing their burpees. So I bring this up because it's important to always... so. One of my goals for all my clients is to make sure they they have a plan for every single obstacle. Now, I know, you know, realistically, everybody out there is not going to physically be able to complete every single obstacle, and that's okay. It's you're you're starting at wherever you're starting from, and you're going to progress and get a little bit closer, get an extra ring uh, on the rig or whatever it might be. And every little inch you get further is a huge victory. But even if you can't physically complete that obstacle yet. You have a plan, and that's always what I want to try and teach my clients is you you know what is your plan for the rig, what's your plan for the spear throw, what's your plan for the rope climb. You know exactly what you, you are going to do. You can visualize it, and then you're going to do your best to, to attempt it. Now, that's first, but when we get to a race like this, you can have your plan completely crumble in front of you because it's just not going to happen, and there was quite a few obstacles on this race like that, not just the, um, the Olympus. But um, what we want to also realize is what's your plan B? And you just should have an alternative for, for as many obstacles as you can. So for me, I knew I've done this before where I've been in a muddy course, a wet course. Uh, I remember the first time I, I experienced this on the Olympus was in Ohio last year where it would started raining as I was going through this and everything was just soaked in water and we were all muddy, which didn't help. So I knew... I slipped the the first day during the beast. I kind of went through it really awkward, almost sliding through it. And then uh, for the sprint, I had a better idea, and I, I did go through my 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 knees because I knew I wasn't going to be able to keep my feet up. So the more races you do, obviously, the more um, 
experience you have to figure out other ways to get through obstacles, but it's just important to have have that plan plan B. Um, another example was uh, the, the rope climb. So the rope climb, the whole bottom portion, at least the bottom third of the rope was just a big mudslide. So you were going to have a really hard time hooking your feet in and getting up. So did you have a plan B? Could you climb a little bit with your, your arms only and then hook your feet in? Or could you change your foot hook to get maybe from an S hook to a J or vice versa, one that you feel more secure with that you actually could get in there? Um, or the tire flip. So uh, I am grateful I didn't have to do the tire flip on Saturday during the super because as I watched it, I did not see one male complete the tire flip because it was so muddy. It was suctioned to the floor and it's heavy enough already, but most guys out there couldn't even get it off the ground and the ones that started to move it, their feet would just slip and they would go crashing down. So your plan B here, unfortunately, would be don't waste your energy, get your burpees over with as fast as possible. Um, you know, give it, give it an attempt, but once you see that you're just not going to be able to complete this, that unfortunately, that might be your plan B. Um, but I just think it's important to always have an alternative to go through something. In fact, I, I just posted uh, something on our, our Instagram account talking about how asymmetrical sports are and how we uh we see like think baseball or golf like you're you're most likely i know there's switch hitters out there but you're most likely swinging on the same side or you're throwing a ball on the same side we create these very um asymmetrical imbalances in our body where one side is much more dominant than the other now we'll never be perfectly symmetrical we're always going to have one side a little bit stronger that we're a little bit more comfortable with but sports enhance this imbalance and obstacle course racing is no different, right? When you climb over a wall, you hop up there, and I'm willing to bet you you typically use the same foot to get over the wall first every single time. Or when you climb the rope, you typically lift one leg up first before the other. Um, when you go through the Olympus, the rig, or any of these hanging obstacles, you probably go through uh, with one side leading first because that's your dominant side. You feel more comfortable doing it. And and during a race, you should do that, right? Yeah, I'm not saying make the race harder for you. You want to make it as easy as possible and do your dominant side. But what I am saying is during your training, we want to manage those imbalances. And when you're training, you should be switching it up and you should be working on your non-dominant side. So that means try climbing the rope with your other foot first. It's going to totally change things and people are really going to struggle with this. Um, even throwing the spear. So if, you know, if you're right-handed, normally throw the spear with your right hand, try throwing with your left hand. Now this is going to help uh, reduce some of those imbalances, uh, but also you'll be surprised how much this will help you during the race, you're just going to be more prepared. And, you know, talking about plan B, what if something happened during the race and you have a cut on your hand or you hurt your foot or, or something and you can't get through an obstacle the way you typically did? Well, if you know you can use the other leg or other arm or, or change it up a little bit, you're going to be more likely to get through that obstacle, not deal with those burpees and, and be able to move on. So uh, all important things I, I want you to consider. And it was definitely things I was thinking about during this race where I had to constantly look, reevaluate, right? Like uh, if you did the race, you saw what the barbed wire crawl looked like and how insanely muddy that was. And I know a lot of people rolled through it and it was like you were just, you know, spinning your tires in the mud and it, it, you weren't moving very fast and you were just rolling yourself in a, a layer of mud. And it, a military crawl was a much better, more efficient way to get through that type of crawl. So knowing that, hey, maybe rolling is not the best way to get through this. I'm going to try a different crawl. So Check out all of your obstacles. Think um, 
what is my main way to get through it, but do I have any alternatives there? And, and I'll put a link to that uh, picture so you can uh, see on our Instagram account how I'm going through the rig using uh, different techniques there. But all great stuff to uh, consider uh, for your next race and, and as you're going through your training program. Um, all right. Well, I know that's a little bit of a ramp, but getting into the rest of our show, uh, now that we've kind of done our Chicago recap, I want to get into uh, some research and we're going to talk about dehydration. And I want to get into a little nerd out a little bit and get a little bit into the physiology on how being dehydrated will reduce performance and, and what you can do to prevent that. And also in our coaches interview, I have on a return guest, we're going to be speaking with SGX coach Riley Nataraznik. And he's going to talk about his uh, RKC experience, the Russian Kettlebell Challenge uh, or certification. He's going to talk about uh, running too many races and really um, narrowing down your your area of focus with your your training and your performance. And we're also going to get into his brand new training journal that he just created and listen all the way to the end because we're actually going to give away some some free journals uh, thanks to Coach Riley. All right, well, let's get into the rest of this episode. Okay, let's dive into this week's research review. And as I mentioned, we're going to talk about dehydration. So uh, this study comes out of the Journal of Strength and Conditioning Research, where they looked at how much 2% of body weight dehydration can uh, affect lactate levels. Now, just quick background. I know we've talked uh, about lactate in the past, but just a quick review what lactate is. And you've probably heard of things like lactic acid um, building up in the body with, with exercise. So... When we uh, perform work, when we're exercising, our muscles are breaking down things like sugar and fats for fuel. When we break down sugars, we get a byproduct, and that byproduct is called pyruvate. Now, when we metabolize energy aerobically, we're going to use that pyruvate to uh, convert even in, into even more ATP in the mitochondria. When we're performing exercise anaerobically, though, and oxygen is not available, that pyruvate is going to be converted to lactate. Now, lactate has a lot of different fates, but it essentially it's going to go into the blood, and now we're going to have lactate floating around in the blood, which really is not a big deal. And actually, it could be a good thing because that lactate is going to circulate through the bloodstream. It's going to get taken in by the liver and actually converted to more glucose and then that glucose can leave the liver go into the blood go back to the muscle so we can produce more energy so it's a pretty cool cycle that we can uh, keep recycling energy now the only problem is that is it's not an efficient way to make energy and actually costs more energy to than it, it produces so we can only do it for a certain amount of time and it takes a while for us to do that and after a while, lactate levels start to build up, and we have something called our lactate threshold, which is a good indicator of performance. The higher your lactate threshold is, the, the harder you're going to be able to work at, at these higher intensities. Uh, and this is why training your lactate threshold is such an important thing, because if you can uh, tolerate lactate and keep using it and and not have to go aerobic as quickly, you are going to be able to, to run faster essentially for a longer period of time. And this is something that elite athletes are going to be able to do very well and they're going to have high lactate threshold levels. So uh, just a quick background so all of this makes sense. But what they did in this study was they looked at recreational fit athletes. So these were just average people who did exercise and they put them on uh, spin bikes and had them under constant load cycling 
for 40 minutes. And they did this test under two situations. The first time they did it, they made sure they were properly hydrated leading up to the trial. And then uh, they would mark their blood levels, uh, perceived exertion, and a few other things every 10 minutes for 40 minutes. Uh, then they repeated the test. Uh, at a later date, doing the same exact thing, but they actually made sure the, the day before they dehydrated, dehydrated them uh, 2% of their body weight going into the trial and then did the same thing, checked their levels every 10 minutes for 40 minutes. Now, um, what they found, uh, really nothing surprising, right? This is going to reduce performance, e even something as small as a 2% um, amount of dehydration will significantly affect performance. And there's lots of research showing that. Uh, but this study specifically looked at lactate levels, which is really, really interesting, some of the things that they found. So number one, in the dehydrated group, they found that lactate levels were higher at all points. So this is not a good thing, right? We want to keep lactate levels lower um, as long as possible, because once they start to creep up, we're going to hit that lactate threshold and it's going to reduce our intensity and performance. So the, the lower we can keep it, the more work we can get done at that intensity. Uh, and I should note that they did the same exact uh, intensities for both trials, so they should have been equal, but because of the dehydration, lactate levels were higher at all points. They actually found similar things with their heart rate. Their heart rate was higher at all points. So their, their heart was working harder, uh, being less efficient um, at all points. And even their resting heart rate before they started was higher in the dehydration group. So two strikes, right? We want to make sure that we keep those lactate levels low, but they increased when we were de dehydrated. And we want to keep our heart rate as low as we can uh, because as we approach our max heart rate, we know we're going to, again, limit our, our abilities and performance. Uh, and then strike three was their actual perceived exertion. And this is an important thing as well. So how hard they perceived they were working. So again, even though the intensities were the same as the previous trial, they noted that it felt harder when they were dehydrated. So there's our strike three. So higher lactate levels, higher heart rate, and then higher perceived exertion. So all of these things occurred uh, with just as little as 2% dehydration. So hopefully nothing shocking here, right? That you need to be hydrated going into your training, into your racing. Um, we want to make sure we, we keep an eye on that. The thing I always like to bring up is I think many people make the mistake of being hydrated during a race or, or during the day of competition. Now, I don't want to say that's not important at all, but if interestingly enough, I've been reading uh, some different theories on hydration levels during a race may actually not be as important as we, we believe, where um, most people are going to finish a race dehydrated and we don't necessarily see a decrease in performance at that given time. Now, I'm not saying don't drink any water the day of a race or as you're racing, but there's just some interesting things when they look at uh, like elite marathoners. They're the most dehydrated versus the recreational marathon runner who is going to not be dehydrated very much at all. So maybe they're actually over consuming water during a race that might be limiting performance versus these elite guys. But that's going to be a topic for a future podcast. Um, but what I, the reason I bring that up is because most people focus too much on staying hydrated during the race. Now, again, if it's hot, humid, sweating, drink your water and, and take care of yourself that way. But what I think is more important and that people miss out is it's the days leading up to the race that are going to be the most critical. So the whole week, and I'm just 
throwing week out there as kind of a generic number, but leading up to the race, days before, weeks before, and hopefully every day, but I know, you know, water is just something that a lot of people kind of forget about, and you're not really paying attention to how much water you're drinking every day. If you are, that's awesome, and keep doing it, but if you're not, and you're not tracking how much water you drink, what I want you to do is your goal for the week leading up to a race, in particular, is you are going to get as whatever amount of water that you need. Now, depending on who you talk to, you're going to hear different things. I think using uh, the, the general rule of half your body weight in ounces is going to be a great starting point. So if you weigh 200 pounds, you're going to drink 100 ounces of water uh, every day. Now, I say drink water, but remember we get water through other sources. If you're drinking lots of fruits and, and other food sources that have water in them as well, that's going to be a, a great way to, to supplement it uh, as opposed to just drinking water. So, but if you just want to be safe, we can make sure that we're at least drinking uh, half of our, our uh, ounces or at least or half, half of our weight in ounces or at least getting as close to that as possible every day. So we're going into the race knowing that we are for sure hydrated. Now you have to remember if you are, if it's summertime now at the recording of this podcast, so if it's hot, humid, you're sweating more, that might change some of these needs. So you can also do the pee test as well which is weird as that sounds, you look at your pee. Now, um, you can look up online, and I'll, I'll put some links in the show notes on uh, pee charts, but essentially, you are looking at how uh, what, what the color of your pee is, and it should be a fairly clear, yellowish color. Now, it shouldn't look like water and have no color to it at all, um, but at the other end, it shouldn't be like a totally dark, dark yellow, even brown or something like that. So that's a sign of clear, significant dehydration. So you can look at a chart and just kind of measure uh, if you need to increase your water intake or, or maybe even decrease it because it is possible to overhydrate as well. So more, just like is everything out there, more is not always better. We need this, this stuff in the right amount. Uh, and then building off of this, we also want to make sure we, we think about electrolytes as well. So I know this study didn't look at electrolytes at all, but we know that's going to be important. So um, things like uh, sodium, calcium, magnesium, uh, getting those important electrolytes in as well, really focusing on the week leading up. Uh, so uh, this is always a little bit tricky because everybody's going to be different depending on what you're eating, what electrolytes you may need. So doing something like my fitness pal or some type of uh, food journal that is going to look at these uh, different uh, nutrients to really see what you might be lacking and need to increase more. But, you know, just getting a, a general uh, cover of all of them would be a great start, whether it's through foods, supplements, whatever you want to do there. So um, hopefully this is going to be helpful for you. Uh, I'm also going to put a link in our show notes for uh, an art a great article that a colleague, uh, Anne LaRue, did on hydration. Uh, some great info on there as well, some similar stuff that she talks about there. So uh, check it out. Just go to the show notes and you can, you can read more about her article as well. All right, before we get into our interview with Riley, I just want to make sure I take some time to thank our sponsors of the show. First is uh, Handmaster Plus. So I've talked a lot about this product. I think it's such a great, cool training tool that you can easily add to your program just doing it watching TV. It's, uh, you know, early we talked about balance, and this is focusing on balancing that grip, right? Most of the grip exercises we do are focusing on squeezing something, a bar, a ball, uh, whatever it might be. This, you can do that. It's going to be like squeezing a stress ball, but you're also going to be able to 
open your hand up through uh, with resistance through small resistance bands around your fingers. So really cool tool. Train that grip and balance to get it even stronger. Uh, you can check out their product at handmasterplus.com. Also, the show is brought to you by Designer Protein, making high-quality protein supplements for you. Uh, they have different sources of protein, from, from whey protein to uh, plant-based protein, and they actually have a new egg protein out there, which tastes delicious. Uh, and don't forget, you get 20% off for listening to this show. Just use promo code SDPremier20, and you can get 20% off any of your protein orders. And then finally, we have Mobilitas, who make uh, high-quality, durable mobility tools. So if you're in need of a, a foam roller, peanuts, spheres, floss, whatever it might be, check out yourjointsshouldnthurt.com and uh, check out some of their tools there. And then, and don't forget, you also get 25% off any of their products, which is pretty amazing. Uh, just use code OCR Underground to get that one. guys well today i am with a return guest i have on coach riley nataroznik with conviction fitness and uh riley was actually one of our very first uh guests i can't remember the actual episode number but i want to say it was like two three four or something around there so we are hitting in the 50s now so it's awesome to have you back on today how you doing i'm good thanks mike glad to be back yeah yeah so we we have a ton of great stuff to talk about, and I'll actually put a link in so people can check out that first interview we did. And I know we touched on a, a lot of different things in that episode. We talked about your your first book, um, and I know we we is without hardcore running. And I, I I know I personally like that topic just because I'm not super into the running. I know it, it's got to get done, but you, we, we covered a, a ton of different ways you can train and not necessarily have to get out there and do, you know, all the miles and, and still get some, some benefit if, if you can't get on those runs. So right. anyway, I'll, I'll put the links to, uh, to that show in there, but we have a ton of awesome stuff that we're going to get in today. And, uh, before we dive into some of the topics I want to talk about, um, you recently went through the RKC and I, I just wanted to see how that went. I know it seemed like a pretty cool experience just following you on on social media. And uh, yeah, I just want to see what you think of it. How did it go? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It, uh, it was awesome. It was an unbelievable experience. Uh, I went down to uh, New York to do it. Uh, Dan John was uh, doing that one. So I kind of wanted to jump at that opportunity. Uh, just yeah, it was an unbelievable three days. Great atmosphere. It's always uh, awesome to be surrounded by you know, a bunch of like-minded driven people and uh, just the, the, the hands-on coaching and stuff that we uh, received at that was, was, you know, it was awesome. It was invaluable. It's uh, one of the, one of the best experiences I've had definitely in my life. Awesome. And I, I've had the opportunity to hear uh, Dan John speak and, and read a, a number of his books and he's a cool guy and obviously a great teacher and, and just um, I'm sure that was a, a unique experience to get to, to hear it all from him. Um, just for those that aren't familiar with RKC uh, and what it is, just kind of give us the rundown with it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so RKC is uh, the Russian Kettlebell Certification. Uh, it's done by Dragon Door Publications. Uh, so way back, I want to say like 2002, something like that, early 2000s anyway, uh, Pavel Satsulin and John Duquesne. Uh, they're kind of the reason that uh, we know about kettlebells out here in the West today. Uh, so Pavel... Um, 
uh, very well known in the kettlebell community, basically started the, you know, the kettlebell community in the, the Western world here, uh, had used it back, uh, back home in the Soviet. Uh, he used them to train, um, a lot of special forces, uh, soldiers and that kind of thing out there. Um, so he brought over these kettlebells and kind of, we all, we all know what they are today and, uh, and we owe that to them. So, uh, Pavel and John decided, John Duquesne decided that they were going to make these kettlebells, sell the kettlebells and kind of teach people how to use them. So uh, it was the first kettlebell certification um, at that time. Uh, It's been around a long time now and uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's awesome. I mean, it's, it's uh, the RKC one is very focused on uh, kind of the six uh, main movements when it comes to kettlebells Uh, and you get, yeah, um, I mean, really, uh, at the end of it, uh, if you just focused on those six kettlebell movements, especially for obstacle course racing, I'm not sure there's much else you really would need to do uh, in regards to strength training. Yeah, absolutely. And and just uh, review the what are the six movements? That you uh, the six movements. So there's the kettlebell swing, the get up, the goblet squat, or uh, kettlebell front squat, kind of depending on uh, what. It, <laughs> so yeah, sorry, the goblet squat was. Um, uh, a learning tool towards the uh, the kettlebell front squat, uh, the snatch, the press, and the clean. Awesome, yeah, and I, I think that that is going to train so much of what you would actually need. And you know, everybody knows kettlebells now, and and like you said, thanks to these guys. But it's it's amazing that the intricacies that I'm sure you went through that a lot of people take for granted when you know they'll they'll pick up a kettlebell and try it, and you know some people can pick things up naturally, but uh, the amount of things to pay attention to with some of these exercises and your breath work and and just everything, um, it's it's amazing how how much time you can spend on a single exercise, but how much you can get out of that when you do it properly. So I'm sure that was just such a cool experiment. Uh, yeah, experience absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I've been training with kettlebells for a while now and, uh, to go there and, and really get to dig deep into some of these exercises, you know, you think you know how to squat, uh, until you're spending three days with Dan John and then, then you <laughs> learn a lot about <laughs> how to squat. Yeah. Yeah. And this, um, I think it's worth bringing up in case, you know, our listeners aren't familiar with this type of certification because a lot of times you, you know, you hear of, oh, you, you go away, you, you do a class and you, you come away with a certification, but these, these are pretty intense, uh, very hands-on and not everybody passes these if I'm correct. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, uh, for the RKC, the, the typical failure rate is about 30%. Um, there's, uh, you know, not every certification has, uh, like a physical component to it. And so mm-hmm. there were certain strength standards that, that had to be met, um, to, to, you know, receive your certification. And that's where yeah. a lot of people kind of get hung up. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's good. You, you want to know that, you know, they don't want to just give these certifications out to anybody. They want to make sure you can do these things, you know, what you're talking about and you can pass it on to your, your clients that you're working with. So, absolutely, um, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So, uh, we have a a really cool topic that I want to discuss with you. And I think a lot of us are probably guilty of this where we, you know, maybe buy the season pass for, for Spartan or whatever OCR we might be doing. And we want to find every single weekend that we can do, and we're just going to race as much as possible. And, I think, uh, you know, idea of, you know, how many races is too much and, you know, what are the benefits? What are the this disadvantages of just 
training like this and racing like this. So um, let's just start there and just kind of paint, paint a big first and just, what are your thoughts on too many running too many races? Yeah, absolutely. Well, like you said, I'm definitely guilty of that myself. Um, you know, you have a plan. This is going to be my A race this year. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, a new race pops up the week before and you say, ah, I can fit it in. Why not? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and from my experience, um, from what, what ends up happening is you, you know, you don't ruin your season, but you definitely aren't showing up to your A race, that big race at the best of your ability. And, you know, I see people, and again, myself included here, um, we train so hard and we put so much time, effort, money, everything into this. And then to go and ruin all of that, just, you know, to go out and do a, you know, we call it a fun run or (laughs) whatever you want to call it. But Mm -hmm. uh, I know a lot of the people I see and work with and myself, um, it's hard to tone it back, right? So these fun runs turn into competitive events. We're going out for personal records. And, and, you know, next thing you know, you've peaked during the the nutrition month family fun run. uh, And then you're, you know, your big A race a week or two later, uh, you just, you aren't at your best. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and and I can hop right in on on here that I'm absolutely guilty of this where we'll look at the season and it's kind of pick our races. And then it's like, you know what, like, let's throw this one in let's throw that one in. Um, But I know what I personally try and do, and um, you can comment on this as well is even if I have a bunch of races out there, I always like to pick, like you said, like your A race, like what's, what is my goal this year? Like, what do I really want to accomplish? Whatever it might be. Um, Or maybe I want a podium or just finish, you know, everybody's going to have their, their different goals, but I'll circle my one or two that it's like, this is where I, I need to be. And then I try and look at it as like, you know, look, look at any athlete, like they don't race hard or play hard every all year round, right? They have their, their off season, their preseason, their in season, and then their postseason. But it's, it's difficult when you don't think like an athlete, cause you're just like, well, I'm just going to sign up for this race, run as hard as I can. Then I'm gonna sign up for the next one. Um, so what do you think? I don't know. What, what are your strategies on just not, not falling into this trap you can get it that I'm not burning myself out and then limping through the season. And then I get to that one race I wanted to do. And now I'm, I'm screwed because my knee hurts or I'm, I'm just so banged up from all the other races. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's again, something I'm still working on if I'm, <laughs> if I'm being honest here. Um, yeah. it's, uh, you know, okay. Going back to Dan John, I guess, but one of his, uh, big things is always the goal is to keep the goal, the goal. Um, mm-hmm. and so, you know, almost like a more general outlook at all of this. Uh, I'm sure you've seen this too, Mike, where somebody comes to you and they say, um, you know, I want to gain five pounds of muscle or something. So that's their goal. You, you work with them on putting a plan together. Uh, but then, you know, halfway through they decide, well, no, okay, I want to, I want to lose some fat and, and put on that five pounds of muscle. And, well, okay. Maybe, you know what, maybe I want to increase my squat and lose that fat and put on the muscles. Okay. Well, if you try and do all of this, you're going to end up going nowhere. You're going to get frustrated, probably injured. Um, and, you know, nobody wants that, right? That's that's mm-hmm. not at all um, what any coach wants to see for their athlete or any athlete wants to see for themselves. Uh, and so I've really been trying to focus on, you know, spending six to eight weeks or whatever it is um, focused on an event or a goal or a race or whatever it is and really just trying to 
commit to that and not letting anything else um, interfere. Um, so uh, you're familiar with precision nutrition, I'm sure, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, their their pro coach um, platform. Uh, it's a really awesome platform, and one of the lessons that they um, have in there is something called uh, difficult, difficult versus difficult, easy. Um, and the concept there is that, uh, you know, difficult, easy is, uh, showing up to, to your workout every day and, and going as hard as you can. And, you know, doing these things like whatever boot camps and, you know, all the, whatever high intensity, uh, kind of insanity type workouts or whatever, just go and go as hard as you can every day, every day. Uh, and that's, it's hard, but at the same time, it's easy because you're just kind of following this routine and you're, uh, you're pushing yourself, but you're not necessarily, you know, um, moving outside of your comfort zone. You're not really trying to reach a goal or anything like that. You're just, you know, doing uh, kind of the same thing over and over and over and just trying to, you know, attack it harder. Uh, so it's almost, you know, if you had a hammer and you're trying to pound this nail in, you're just trying to hit it harder and harder and harder and harder and it's not really going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Now, difficult, difficult. The concept there is, you know, what is actually going to be difficult for you um so kind of to tie all this in in you know my my history my past um i was definitely the the always doing the difficult easy right go in beat myself up as much as i can with the weights and you know oh yeah i'm 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 a <laughs> i'm a big strong guy because i do that right mm-hmm. um, my lists weren't going anywhere my body was hurt all the time and so it was just yeah not good So my difficult, difficult has always been to, you know, commit to a goal and really just stay focused on that goal. So again, whether that's a race or an event or whatever it is. Uh, And it's, it's, I mean, yeah, it's definitely a work in progress. Um, But that's kind of where my philosophy in my head is at right now is, um, you know, uh, it's, it's tough, right? Because nobody ever wants to miss out on a race or an event or whatever it is. Uh, we always want to be there with our teammates. We want to be there for ourselves. We tell ourselves we want to push ourselves and stuff. And that's awesome. Um, but we're young. Like you go out to a course, most of the people out there are are young. And we have, you know, a lot of time left to do this. So rather than trying to fit a, you know, a, a lifetime worth of racing into five years and then get burnt out, injured, and never be able to do it again, why don't we slow things down, take our time, commit to a race or whatever it is, an event, whatever, uh, you know, if it's a marathon or obstacle race, whatever, commit to that, train for that, do it to the best of your ability. And then maybe you take a week or two off and then you do it again. Um, so again, rather than doing this whole lifetime of racing in a matter of five years, burning out and being done, if we'd look at it, you know, in six or eight week blocks, uh, we can, we can fit a lot of racing in, in our lives. We can fit in, you know, we can do what we love to do uh, until the day we die. I think I don't see why not if we, if we're smart about it. Yeah. I I mean, you, you kind of hit it on the head right there. And I, I think one of the main messages that I really try and do with this podcast and with my clients and, you know, anybody I can reach is this idea that you can beat yourself up and train and do a million races this year and just be totally screwed for the next five years. Or we can be smart about this and you can race for decades if you're smart about it. But 
I mean, how many, and I know you've worked with a lot of clients, like even before like obstacle course racing got big, like how many runners, like marathoners and triathletes, do you know later in life where they're just destroyed, right? Where their knees are beat up, their shoulders, their ankles, everything, because they put in so many hard training hours, so many hard races, and now they're paying for it. And, you know, a lot of the back then, maybe they just, we didn't know as much as what we know now. Yeah, but I've seen, yeah. And, and personally, like, um, I believe I've talked about this on the podcast before, but, you know, my dad was kind of the hardcore bodybuilder, you know, and when I was younger, just, I didn't get in trouble a whole lot because I had a fear of what he could do to me. And, um, it, you know, it looked awesome, but now, you know, he's, he's older, he's in his seventies and he's paying for it a little bit. And he like, you know, can't lift his arm over his head and getting down on the floor is a real struggle for him. And, you know, I'm not saying, you know, maybe some things are genetic and stuff happens, you know, we're not, we can't prevent every single thing from happening, but how much is your training causing some of these setbacks later in life? And I think for, you know, if a lot of people look at what they're doing, they're going to see, you know what, a lot of what I'm doing in my program is actually leading to some of this pain later down the road. And like you said, if you're young, you can get away with a lot. And it's like, well, I'm invincible and we've all been there. And it's like, I can, I can beat my body up. I'm going to recover in a couple of weeks and I'm going to do it again. But it's like, you know, after a while that's going to add up. And now what's going to happen in 10 years when you want to do a race and you're like, you know what, I just don't think I can because of what my knees are going to do afterwards or whatever it might be. So I, I just love that you brought up that point there. Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly it. And I think a lot of this too now has to do with, um, you know, my kids, I look at my kids and I, 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 I love things like obstacle racing and hiking and all that kind of stuff. And I want to be able to do that with them when they're mm -hmm. older. Right. And so if that means taking a few steps back now, I'm more than happy to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you, you touched on a couple other things that I just want to bring up that again, I, I think we're all guilty of kind of that, that bright, shiny object, right. Where we see the next thing, like you said, you know, okay, I want to lose, or I want to gain five pounds. And then, okay, you know what? I want to lose a little bit of weight. And you know what? I do want to run a little faster. And it's that, that idea of we start with a simple goal and then it gets more and more complex after that. And if we were to just stick to that one thing, how quick we would get to our goal versus now adding all of these extra things on there. And I think, you know, a lot of things happen with racing where somebody signs up, maybe it's their first race and they sign up and it's like, oh my God, I loved it. I'm hooked. I want to keep doing it. And now where their original goal was, I just wanted to try it out and do it. They haven't really thought it through on when, what's the next step. And now it's okay. I'm going to get the season pass and I'm just going to do every single race that I, that I potentially can do. And I, I kind of want to get your opinion on this because I know I'm on the same way here where season pass. And it's like, at the same time, I, I do want to take advantage of this, that I paid this money. So I do want to get my races in. So how can we have some balance there where I spent this money? I want to, you know, get, take advantage of that. So I have to do it, you know, at least a decent amount of races, but what can I do to be smart about this? So I don't run into the issues that we're, we're seeing here. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so, yeah, I'm not by any means saying that, like, you know, trying to do like a, a five times trifecta or whatever is a bad goal by any means. Um, there's nothing wrong with that, but I think the training for that needs to be a lot different. Um, so, you know, if that's the case, then maybe uh, your training isn't necessarily for performance, but maybe it's more so uh, for longevity. So you're going to be doing a lot more kind of uh, correctives and, you know, rehab, prehab, all that kind of stuff. Um, 
And yeah, so like you said, let's say you have a season pass and you want to go to all these races and stuff. That's awesome. You should, you should definitely do that, but you need to make sure, um, uh, you know, you have to be able to trust yourself not to go out there and go crazy hard and turn it into a race. You have to be comfortable with looking at, at the, uh, at the results after, and, you know, maybe being down low, uh, you know, near the bottom, whereas maybe you're used to being at the Mm -hmm. top or something like that. So it's, it's, you know, it's a mental thing. So, you know, if you have that season pass and you want to go to all these races and stuff, maybe decide to, um, go, go with some friends, take some family members or people that have never done a race before and just go through with them and practice on the obstacles and just kind of go out and have some fun and, you know, don't worry about the results. Um, I think, you know, a lot of the times we, we tend to, uh, you know, almost look at ourselves, we value ourselves as the results of our race, right? Like, you know, it's not, I'm this person, it's, I'm, you know, eighth in my age group or whatever. And and we really begin to associate with that and kind of expect and demand that of ourselves every race. And, you know, that's, it's, it's silly, I think, to do that. Yeah. I, I, you just, you just uh, touched on a couple great points there. Um, I actually like the very first thing you said, uh, really, I I think needs to be reset about, you know, again, going back to what your goal is your goal to do three trifectas this year, or is your goal to podium? And, you know, not that you can't accomplish both of those, but what is your, what's your number one priority and, and make sure your training revolves around that. Because yeah, if you're trying to hit like, you know, four or five trifectas, that's a lot on the body right? To do that many beats and you better be focusing on a lot of recovery and, and knowing where your weaknesses are and, and where your top priorities, you know, you need to focus on. So that's going to be your training program versus performance. Yeah. All right. Now we need to work on our, on our speed and our obstacle skill and all of those things. So, um, yeah, I, I just think that needed to be reset where if, if you guys listening, what is your number one goal, right? If you just want to get a lot of races in, just know, yeah, you're not going all out. You're doing it with friends. You're, you're walking. And um, just like you said, um, and I know this is something I struggled with at first, is sometimes just don't look at the results. If your goal was just to finish a race, if your goal was to do a trifecta, who cares what your results are? And I, I 100% agree with what you said. People are posting online. You know, I see Facebook and I see these high numbers and how good people performed. And it's like, it's okay. Like, I've run races, like, especially last year when they have in the Spartan series, they have the competitive, a lot of it, I was just running with my wife and she's, she's fast. I don't want to sound like she's slow at all, but I was definitely running a lot slower than my current pace to, to, to enjoy it and race with her. And I wouldn't even look up my results afterwards. And when people would ask me, Oh, how'd you, you know, clients, like, how'd you do? And it's like, Oh, you know what? I, I don't even know. We just had fun. And, you know, if, if Emily did really well, I would more, you know, my wife brag about how she did and not make the focus on me. I just wanted to go out there and be with her, do the race. And that was it. And then we would talk and if I wanted a, a hard race in there, maybe I would do it a lead or an age group on my own and just say, okay, Hey, you know, I'm going to train for this race. So this is going to be my race on my own. The other ones I want to do them together. And I was, you know, totally cool with that. It's just, you got to watch your ego and just make sure I'm not going to look at those results because then maybe I would be like, you know what? I, I was, I was at the bottom. I know I can do better. I'm going to sign up for a race next weekend to make up for it or something like that. So yes. I just thought that was a great point that you brought up there. Yeah. Um, but that is hard to not, <laughs> not look at those results. Um, uh, so one other thing I, I know, uh, personally, I, 
I do as well. And, and kind of like we touched on, um, I think it's a great experience to do both of those types of races where you, you know, you set your races that you want to build off of and you have your training program specifically designed for those races, but sure. Other races will pop up in the middle of that program. Maybe there is a last minute one popped up and it's like, Oh, I didn't think I could make it, but I can do that one. Like we said, just know what's the goal of that race and, and enjoy that and use it as I'm going to practice. And a lot of times when I work with a client, I tell them this wasn't your goal race you know, so I don't, you know, I always like, like to know how they finished and things like that, but it's like, what's, what's the one thing we can work on for this race? And it's like, you know what, I've been really struggling with my, my hanging obstacles. So it's like, this is all I care about your goal for this race. You can come in dead last. That's totally fine, but I just, we're going to work on everything. So we don't fail any of the hanging obstacles. And that's like our one thing for this race. So yeah, I um, love that. I don't know if you've ever done anything with that with your clients. Yeah. No, that's a great idea. Um, and yeah, especially like, you know, go in the open heat and they seem to be pretty lax on, uh, people retrying obstacles and things like that. I'm not saying don't do yeah. your burpees, but if there's, you know, a lot of people struggle with something like the twister, for example, we'll, we'll take a few shots at it, practice it. I don't think many people mind, uh, you know, obviously if there's a lineup or something like that, then yeah, there's a different story, but if you go in yeah. a later heat in the open, um, you know, I think you can get away with some practice there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I've, I've been in the open heat and seen, uh, you know, three or four spear throw tries and yeah. again, it's, it's go for it. Yeah. Do your burpees if, if you didn't miss, but at the same time you're in the open and if there's not a long line and, and, you know, it's just kind of mellow at that point, use it as practice and then get it, do your burpees, move on to the next one. So, but yeah, just having a, a specific in race goal, I think is always a nice strategy to maybe take the pressure off too. If you feel like I, I need to do well and it's like, well, no, this, this was just a race that, that came up and let's find a, a different goal to focus on and, and just go training uh, about it that way. Um, uh, moving on. So, or kind of on the, on the same note, you have a new product out that I, I do want to talk about because it's, cool on a number of levels. So, um, let's, uh, well, let me have it came from. So it's, uh, I'm an athlete. This is my story. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, almost selfishly, uh, I made this to kind of help me focus on, you know, taking one event at a time. So, so I'm an athlete is, uh, it's an eight week journal um, intended for us to kind of track our training and recovery and, and that kind of thing. Uh, every day of the week for eight weeks, there's a page in the journal. Um, and it's, you know, it's not intended for you to write a novel necessarily, but by the time these eight weeks are done, uh, you can kind of go back and you've, you've got this, the story of the event, right? So rather than, you know, I look back at my, what was it? it must've been 2015 season. Uh, and that's when I think I did the most races. And I look back and I see these medals. And I don't even know if I remember what that medal is from or what that race was like or anything. And, you know, that's not, sorry, I don't know if you can hear my dog panting here. He's, no, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> All good. Um, I look at these medals and, and yeah, like I, it's, it's, I don't want to say they're meaningless, but they don't mean as much as they probably should. Um, and so by cutting back on racing and kind of having this, cool journal uh to kind of track the the training and the actual race itself um i think everything means a lot more uh and i think it's a lot easier for me um to stay focused on that goal um so you know i've i've, I've 
been very fortunate. I've got to do some pretty cool events over the past few years. Um, and, and I wish I had more than just kind of this metal, uh, you know, I have like my training logs and I have my, that kind of stuff. Um, but I don't have, you know, the story. And that's really what I'm an athlete is about, um, is, you know, 10, 15 years down the road, I want to be able to look at this, this medal, this thing that I worked so hard for, and just being able to go back and really revisit, um, you know, all the struggle and everything that I went through to earn that. Cause you know, every, every training plan before every race, there's always going to be some hiccups. There's always going to be tough workouts you don't want to do, or, or, you know, uh, life gets in the way and that kind of thing. Just being able to go back and, and look at this and, um, and, you know, you know, maybe, you know, <laughs> maybe even having to say no to certain races and things like that. Um, it's, it's a lot more meaningful in my eyes. Yeah. And, you know, we always see the memes and the the quotes online, you know, it's, it's not the destination. It's about the journey or, you know, some variation of those. And this is an awesome example of how do we clearly put that into practice where, yeah, you can, maybe you have your, your training logs, right. Where you're, you're counting your sets and your reps and, and, you know, you see how your weight's progressing or maybe your time, your pace is getting better and things like that. And obviously those are really important things to track, but the idea behind this is you're actually going through the experience and you can reread like, you know what, sometimes this sucked (laughs) and (laughs) I had to really dig deep to get through this. And I got sick in the middle of this or, you know, an event came up and I I went to a a reunion or a wedding and and that just totally messed things up. But I was able to get back on track and and have kind of that story written there. And, you know, whether you're the elite athlete trying to win this thing or just get through your first race, we all have our our story, right? And it's worth writing down. And if for nobody else, yourself to look through and say, yeah, I can put this with my medals and say, I got my medal, but this is the process. This is my story on how I got there. So I, I just love this idea. I think it's, it's totally cool. Um, and what, so just to kind of give some people ideas, what, in your opinion, what do you think people should be writing in here? Um, no, that's a good question. Um, to me, I think it's most beneficial to write really kind of the, the mindset and emotion, I guess, if you will, of kind of how the day went and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, you know, mm-hmm. was there a big win in training? Did you hit a new PR or did you do something that surprised you or something like that? Or, and really, like you touched on, yeah, all those struggles. What did you have to overcome to see this medal, right? Like, I don't know what your experience is, but I, I, you know, I've done things like I've shown somebody, a family member or something, a medal, like, you know, oh, look at this medal. And to them, it's a, you know, it's a hunk of whatever hunk of aluminum. Yeah. They, they don't know yeah, what yeah. it is. Right? It's yeah. Cool. looks neat. Um, but you know, it's so much more to that, to the, to the person that earned it. Right. And, and yeah, like you said, everybody has their story and I don't care. Yeah. If you're finishing first at the world championships or if you're dead last in a, uh, charity half marathon, whatever, you know, you did something pretty cool. Um, and, and, and there's a story behind that. And, uh, I think, uh, a lot of that gets lost. Yeah, absolutely. And and I almost look at this as, you know, a lot of people are meditation has been, gotten really huge. And I know not everybody's into meditating, but a lot of people as kind of an alternative, they do like a, a self-reflection type of journal or gratification journal, something along those lines. And in my eyes, you know, what I'm thinking, um, so I have my copy right here and I, I have my race set for me to start my eight weeks. And kind of, I think a big part of it is it's going to be next to my bed. And 
what I'm going to do is at the end of every day, it's my reflection on what, what happened that day, um, how my training went, you know, any obstacles, you know, just let me look back and see how things went. And almost as I'm writing this story, it's going to help me the next day to know if I see a bunch of days saying like, I, I, I'm run down, I'm tired. And I can like, look back and see, I haven't had a good workout in a while. Like, why is this? And it's like, you know what? I'm not recovering enough. I, I, my sleep's been terrible. My diet's been terrible, whatever, you know, it, it'll just kind of, you know, feedback, give a good feedback on how you might need to change your program as you're actually writing it. But, um, so I'm, I'm super excited to get started with this. I think like we've been talking about, this is a great way to kind of eliminate the noise and just focus on a race. And again, it doesn't have to be an obstacle course race. This can be anything, right? You're just writing, right. yeah, you have your plan, you focus on that one goal and let's eliminate all the, everything else and just get going on this. So um, yeah, I, I love this idea. And so what you actually agreed to do, which I think is awesome, we're going to do a little bit of a giveaway to, uh, to give some of our listeners the opportunity to, uh, um, to grab one of these books. And also in the show notes, if you don't want to wait for the giveaway, uh, I'll put the link to, uh, they can get it on Amazon, correct? Yeah, yeah. Yep. So we'll, we'll just put the link on Amazon so you can, you can pick up a copy if, if you're interested. But what we're going to do for our giveaway, which I think just to uh, reinforce everything we've been talking about, I'm going to post on um, our Instagram page and Facebook page a picture of the book. And what we want you to do is you, you can enter to win. Um, all you're going to do is pick your what's your one race for this year right? Again, it could be a, a Spartan race. It could be a Tough Mudder. It could be a 5K, a 10K, a half marathon, whatever. You're going to pick your race and just put, this is my one race for the year in the comment section. Um, and then we will pick a, win, uh, a few winter, winners at random and we will ship out a copy of I'm an Athlete to you. So thanks so much for, for agreeing to do that. Yeah, no, my pleasure. Thanks a lot. Awesome. So uh, before we sign off here, any, any final last words, anything I forgot to ask you or, or should have asked you? No, no. I think that was, that was awesome, Mike. I, I appreciate the opportunity to, to, to talk. Oh, awesome. Always a pleasure. And hopefully we get to meet up at one of these races um, at, at some point. It'd be great yeah, to, sure. to hang out after, after the race. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll have to head out to the West Coast one of these days here. All right. Sounds good. All right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for episode 51. I can't believe we are through 51 episodes, but we are. So check out the show notes for anything we talked about in the show. Just visit www.ocrunderground.com slash episode dash 51. And I just want to give a special thanks to our sponsors, Handmaster Plus, Designer Protein, and Mobilitas for supporting our show. And then a big thanks to SGX coach Riley Nataraznik for uh, sharing his thoughts on um, picking your one race and, and really focusing your tra training and for, uh, for helping us out with this giveaway. So don't forget, uh, just follow us on Instagram, follow us on Facebook. We'll have the post on both of those. All you need to do to enter is uh, I'll post a picture of the book and you're just going to comment with what is your one race for this year. And then we are randomly going to give away a couple of these, these training journals. Um, so uh, until next time, don't forget to uh, subscribe, subscribe to the show. Please give us a rating. Let me know how I'm doing. And uh, if I can answer any of your questions, you can always reach out to me and, and let me know. Uh, but until next time, keep training smarter.